0: what's up y'all if you're tuning in thank you for listening to the first episode of the sister sister podcast i'm your host bianca and i'm here with my co-host my sister frida hey y'all um this podcast we've been thinking about doing it for a little bit over a year now anyone that knows us knows that we are bound to say whatever the fuck is on our mind
1: whenever we
0: don't got no chill so we finally decided to stop being lazy and take some time to start it so we appreciate everyone that's listening Um, the podcast is really basically going to be talking about navigating our way through life and surviving the fuck shit. Um, anything from social norms to our past experiences, trauma, just girl talk, sister talk, basically. Um, so tune in every Thursday if you want to hear your new favorite sisters, share some good tea and conversation. Um, a little bit about the podcast. We're going to have three separate segments. Every week, we're going to start off with our sispiration, which is our quote of the week. Then we have our segment of That's So Ghetto, where we talk about all the ratchet shit that is just way too ghetto <laughs> for us to believe. And then we're going to end it off with our Get It sis segment, which is where we decide to shout out a woman in business that is really inspiring us, whether we know them personally or it's a celebrity. So let's get into it.
1: So first, we got to start off with SO Ghetto because Bianca is ghetto. (laughs) She's ghetto as hell. So anyone who frequents Starbucks, they know that the drinks come in three sizes. Tall, venthy. Wait, no, is it tall, grande, and then venthy? Bianca goes to Starbucks and she asks for a small medium or large
0: well anyone that has common sense not starbucks <laughs> your drinks are small medium or large so who the fuck are they <laughs> they just have different sizes and expect people to know that
1: listen y'all and she's... grande
0: is large anyway so that's stupid
1: <laughs> but just stupid she's been addicted to these caramel ribbon crunches okay mm, yeah i could tell you her order let me get a medium caramel ribbon crunch i want extra crunch extra caramel (laughs) she tells them make it crunchy (laughs) and put extra caramel and they're probably inside like small medium like is she stupid no what's ghetto
0: is employees acting like they get charged for extra crunch and extra caramel stop being cheap (laughs) with that shit (laughs) if i come through your drive-thru hook me up please and thank you
1: it don't come out y'all check Period. So stop. It's like people at
0: McDonald's up to twenty-five cents extra for the sauces.
1: Right. Like, is that affecting you? And that's why we don't fucking eat McDonald's.
0: Period. <laughs> Chick-fil-A all day.
1: They'll give you seventeen <laughs> seventeen Chick-fil-A sauces mm-hmm. for one meal. With no hesitation. My pleasure.
0: my pleasure. My pleasure. So let's get into our quote of the week. So this week, the quote I found that I thought that we could have a good conversation about is, we fear ta- We fear taking the risk, but we should actually fear the regret we'll have if we don't.
1: How do you feel like that resonates? I feel like it resonates specifically to starting this podcast because like, we've been talking about it for so long and we're like, but what if no one listens or what if we went out of things to talk about, but anyone who knows us knows that all we do is talk. We can sit in the car, we can sit at home, we can sit on the couch, and we can talk for hours and then after we talk for hours we're like, "Wow, this is some really good conversation." Right. So, and it's like our our conversations always
0: lead to other deeper right, conversations. Right. No matter we what we start
1: about. off laughing, we end up crying, okay? Somebody sobbing on the couch. You never know with us. So, I feel like getting over that fear and just taking the risk of just starting it. Starting out something small, it's just really just getting up and doing it. And that could mean anything. You want to start a business, you want to start a podcast, you want to start a family, whatever you want to do, you just, you're never going to know what the outcome is unless you take that risk. That's how I feel.
0: Yeah, I feel like that quote, like when I found it, what I thought about, it was like similar, like with the podcast. But, like, what mostly stuck with me was, like, self-doubt. Like, and mm-hmm. I feel like I'm, like, a real big self-doubter. Like, I want to do something, and I'll talk myself out of it just as fast as I thought about doing it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll be like, mm, no, but, like, am I going to be good at it? Or, like, right. mm, is this really for me? Like, that might be for somebody else or somebody else's specialty. But, like, mm-hmm. no, maybe I should just stick to being just me, funny Bianca, cracking jokes, and that's it. Like, nothing more. Don't progress in life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, just make people laugh, and that's it. But you're not supposed to go anywhere. But that's how I felt too. It's like, um, if you don't really try, you won't know if you're going to succeed at it. Right. And I feel like sometimes I like hold myself back with things because I like, I'm scared to try because I don't like failure.
1: Mm-hmm. So I'm
0: like, I'm scared to fail. So in turn, I'd be like, oh, I'm just not going to try it.
1: Right. And then you I just stay know stagnant. I'm not good at it. Yeah. And it's like,
0: yeah. how do you even know you're not good at it? You never tried it.
1: Right. So definitely, I think it, it could apply to anything. That anybody's trying to do, like just, just kind of jump, take the leap forward, take the risk, and if you fail, try again. Right. And if you fail, and then you realize maybe that's not something you wanted to do, but guess what? You took that risk, so you already got over the fear of starting something new. And maybe you learned that you don't want to do that specific thing, but you want to do something else. And now you're not scared anymore to take that risk. You know that. Listen, I I can do it. I can take the risk. I can learn something new work my way through it i can't accept failure because that's a big part of Mm -hmm. it too a lot of people can't accept failure so if they fail at one thing it's like i'm never going to be good at anything so that's a big part just accepting failure knowing that the first time you do anything you may not be really good at it you may be perfect at it but anybody needs needs work right
0: and it's like even like with the podcast it was like the fear of like starting this because it was like where do we begin Mm -hmm. we don't know how to properly do this and like thank god we've had like good advice from our friends Mm who who like have had experience in this but even like small things that we didn't know were like us like researching it ourselves or like figuring things out on youtube and like it just brings, like, a lot of, like, pride to see that, like, mm-hmm. we've done something that we're proud of. Right. Even just the little steps, like, from creating our social media pages to mm-hmm. just, like, anything. Like, it just brings, like, a sense of pride. Like, it's like, wow, like, this hasn't even, like, took off for us yet. But, like, I'm mm-hmm. just glad that, like, we came up with something that is aesthetically pleasing. Yep.
1: To say the least. You yep. know? We started yeah. it. We can set it aside our little time. Right. And even if it don't go nowhere, guess what? We get to have our sister talk yeah, for the rest of the it's still bonding.
0: It's still our bonding period. Mm-hmm. So... I appreciate that
1: regardless. Mm -hmm.
0: All right. So you trying to get into our first topic?
1: Yeah. Let's get this. Let's get this going. All
0: right. So our first topic is going to be shouting out foster care. So shout out to the foster care system.
1: And the reason being is because the foster care system is how we met. We probably would have never met. We wouldn't have went to the same school. We wouldn't have went to the same high school. And the foster care system is the reason we became sisters in 2005. hmm hmm So, definitely shout-out to foster care. And we're going to get a little bit deeper into the story behind it, but that's the reason we became sisters.
0: Some people know that we are not biologically related. Mm-hmm. Other people thought we were cousins, and they would not believe that you were black for the longest time. <laughs> they used to tell you you was Dominican. Um... For the record, Alfreda is African-American and I am... Not Dominican at all. (laughs) And I am Puerto Rican. Um, When we were younger and we were in junior high school, I believe, Mm -hmm. we used to tell people we were cousins because it was easier than explaining how we really met. Right. So my mom was a foster mom since she was 18 years old. And in 2005, um, she took in Frida and her two sisters. And that's how we met. And we've been family ever since. Shout out Shalane and Aaliyah. Okay, Lou, Taking okay. them kids in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, like she said, in 2005, we met me and my two baby sisters. We came to live with them. Um, I'm sure many of you know how the foster care system works. You get taken out of your home and you get placed into a foster home. Um, not all the time is there good experiences, I am very lucky and so are my siblings that we had uh, we had a very good experience. Um and here I am. What is this? 12, 13, 14 years later. Yeah, And years. still very much in contact. L- loses my mom nonetheless, and it's no shade to my biological mom. I love my mom. We have a very great relationship now at this point, but like life happens. So you could say me and B became sisters by circumstance, not by blood, not by choice, but life kind of put us in each other's in each other's paths. Um we lived with you guys for like 3 years. 3 years? Mm-hmm. 3 years, yeah. And then went back home but always stayed in contact. It was always my family. Always, my mom. Those were always my sisters and brothers.
0: Holidays, baby showers. Holidays,
1: yeah. Through my first pregnancy at seventeen, losing Jose have been my my parents. Nonetheless, Jose, shout out, has been the best father figure anyone can really ask for. Do a whole
0: episode on
1: exactly. Shout out to (laughs) Jose, (laughs) fathering everybody out here. Yes, it was. It was so hard, really, to tell him. It was the hardest to tell him. When I was seventeen that I was pregnant, it made me so emotional to tell so him nervous. I was pregnant because everyone else had like more opinions as far as, Oh my God, you're so young and how are you gonna do this? And he was like, Well, congratulations, this is what you're doing. I know you're gonna be a great mom. And he was a hundred percent supportive all the time. And look at me. That's cause you've you <laughs> been a <my> mom. Dad.
0: <laughs> that's because you've been a mom. Everybody was mm-hmm. like, Oh, this is this is your calling. sis.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and me and bianca didn't always get along through the years either and a no, lot of people are very i, hated surprised. Her. I know <laughs>
0: everybody everybody's always surprised they're like how did y'all not get along because we're so close mm-hmm. we're literally the same person
1: yes people are always so surprised yeah i'm like we didn't even really get along like that until like our older years yeah
0: or even like i'm sure like our friends from like junior high school be like how the hell are they so close <laughs> like i remember when they used to be so annoyed coming to school like oh my god
1: I have to see you at home. I have to see you here.
0: Yeah. But I think that whole experience, it was just, it was being young and not really like understanding the severity of a situation when you're not placed on the other end of the, the scenario. It's kind of like easy to be ungrateful, but I feel like through my mom taking in foster kids, when she had her own kids, it kind of made me like realize how fortunate and how grateful we really were. Even like, small situations with like the beach and mm-hmm. stuff like I remember when we had went to the beach when you were living with us for the first time and you were like I had never been what to does a beach Sand look like and I was, I was like, 12 what? years
1: old
0: I was like are you an alien like what do you mean <laughs> what does sand look like because to me that had been something we've been doing since mm-hmm. I was a baby so you don't realize even down to those small situations mm-hmm. like what you need to be grateful for right. and I feel like through that whole situation it was more like being bratty i felt like i was always receiving the short end of the stick i was like well why i gotta share my room why i gotta do this like who are these
1: kids like when really look what you gained right
0: a whole niece and nephew and a whole (laughs) sister
1: (laughs) yeah it's it's and like i said earlier it's no shade to my mom she had nine kids so things like that amusement park beaches like while it wasn't our fault now that i look back I wouldn't take nine kids to no beach. I wouldn't take nine kids to Six Flags. I really wouldn't even take nine kids to the grocery store. So I don't even want to take the two I have anywhere. (laughs) So now that I look back on it with a grown-up perspective, I can kind of dissect it more and I can understand it more that she did what she felt was the best that she can do. And like I said, while circumstances took us away from her we had very good experiences we were placed with a loving home and it's very hard actually to place older children in foster care because a lot of people don't want to take older children and not only just taking older children taking three at the same time so at this Mm -hmm. point five of us it was me and four of my siblings two sisters two brothers were taken away and me and my two sisters were placed together and my two brothers were placed and I believe that that's the best that they could do at that point of course we would like for us all to stay together but it's really not possible it's very hard for someone to take in five kids at one time of course so I was just grateful that my sisters at least can stay with me and we got really the best the best care that we can get a lot of people hear a lot of horror stories about foster care and while I'm sure there are very like nasty stories is very heart-wrenching stories I'm very 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 grateful that we had a very positive experience
0: yeah and it's unfortunate for those people my heart goes out to them I even remember and it's true what you say about it's so hard to place older kids because even when mommy when she first started now mind you she was a foster parent before her Mm -hmm. kids were born But I remember when she started doing it, when we were old enough, her age range was newborns. Because she really Mm -hmm. wanted a baby. Her age range was newborns up until nine. But you know how Mm -hmm. she is. She can't say no to anything. Her heart, every time that phone would ring and the agency would call her about a a child. She wanted to save everybody. She wanted to open her home to everybody. Mm -hmm. So I remember when they had called about you guys, she was like, I can't separate them. mm -hmm. I keep thinking if my girls got taken away, I would want them to be together. And I was like... Says, like, you just not gonna keep back in this
1: house. <laughs> you're just gonna take all these children. Whose <laughs> kids are these? Like, well, I want my bed. <laughs> I want my bed, but. And a few, like a few foster care statistics. Um, the number one reason, and which is the reason that we were taken away, is neglect. It could be neglect in any form, from the the most minor things to something very, very, very drastic. But that's the number one reason children are removed from their home um secondly over 437,000 children and youth are in foster care and that's a very big number. I'd like to see it lower. I'd like to see more like parent homes keeping their children safe and keeping an environment where children can stay with their parents, but I'd also like to see a lot more positive stories because you can't really find them these days about foster care, which is why when I speak on my experience, I always Love to point out how positive it was and how greatly it changed and impacted my life. I really wouldn't be who I am today without that experience um, The other fact I wanted to I wanted to touch on is that of the youth that are who age out of foster care a quarter of them are incarcerated within two years and only half of those graduate from high school. And that's sad because there's not a lot of resources for foster children, especially once you age out. Me, luckily, we got to go home to my mom so I didn't have to deal with the aspect of aging out of foster care. But I hear a lot of stories and I know a lot of people who did have to stay in foster care until they age out. And then after they age out, if they weren't with a family who... Love them and cared for them like their own or didn't end up getting adopted they're kind of out there on their own they don't have any family they don't have anyone looking out for them and i'd like to see a lot more resources for them as far as when they turn 18 they're kind of just i don't want to say kicked out on the street but it's kind of like they don't have the resources and they don't have the tools to kind of be successful and they're just trying to do their best and make it out there
0: And I think a lot of the times it's a misconception, but a lot of people feel like because you were removed from a home and Mm -hmm. you have a bed to sleep in, then that means you're okay. But I feel like the worst thing is to come from a situation or a broken home Mm -hmm. and get placed in a home where you're not cared about. Right, like just for someone to take you in to receive a check mm-hmm. is the worst thing that you can do to a kid exactly. because a lot of those situations with the statistics are kids that get put in a home and they're not cared for they're not loved for they're not loved right. on they're not shown any better mm-hmm. so now they're rebelling because they already don't want to be here they don't understand the situations that mm-hmm. got them here and then now they're in a situation with this family that mm-hmm. isn't showing any affection towards them Right. so it's it's like a double slap in the face exactly. you know what I mean and a lot of the times like Even situations where people's parents are incarcerated or they're on drugs. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they don't have the means to do the programs that are set in place Mm -hmm. to get their kids back right away. You know what I mean? Within that time frame, they're worried about trying to get themselves clean or get themselves Mm -hmm. together or get themselves out of a hole before they can work on themselves. So I would just say, if you're going to do it, do it for the right reasons. Right. Because that's the one thing. And that's something that I didn't understand when we were growing up. Mm -hmm. That's something that I used to resent my mom for when i would be like i remember the one time it was like i forgot what year this was maybe it was like i don't know we were going to eighth grade or something but i remember for the first day of school i was the only person that couldn't get my hair done mm-hmm. she couldn't afford to get my hair done for school but she had got everybody else's mm-hmm. hair done and i remember i was like how are you not gonna get my hair done and she was like i get paid to take care of these kids you damn right they're gonna have their hair done they're gonna look presentable she was mm-hmm. like if you have to miss out meanwhile if you've got your hair done how many times for school she was like you're going to miss out that's the mm-hmm. only thing you're missing out on
1: right
0: and like she kind of she had to check me and when i was younger i didn't understand it obviously because i'm like oh well i want to be fly as hell going to school i want my hair done <laughs> and now i gotta wear it in a fucking bun <laughs> um, and you were like "And these little done." <laughs> i was dang. like these little bitches i want to come take up my other half of the room homie fly as shit um <laughs> i gotta take down my posters
1: <laughs> because they want to Right, my, my book
0: right? posters no and <laughs> <laughs> don't touch them <laughs> um and I didn't really understand it Mm -hmm. at that time but the older I got especially being around other families Mm -hmm. that had foster children and seeing the way they were treated so differently Mm -hmm. it really started to bother me and I was like oh wow like I was so much more grateful for my mom that she never treated any of her foster kids Mm -hmm. different like if you lived in that house you were her kid you getting yelled at like her kid you got the same rules as her kid you getting gifts just like her kids Mm -hmm. like there was no difference and I like I admire that Yeah. and I feel like I don't know. It just made me look at the situation differently growing up.
1: Definitely. I um. So I was in foster care twice in my lifetime. The first time I was taken away, obviously, I don't remember too much. I was three. Um, it was me, my baby sister, and my two older brothers. And we were in foster care for about two to three years also this time. And I, while I don't remember too much about it, what I do remember is all positive. It's all positive vibes. I don't remember anything, anything negative about being in that home. So I enjoy talking about being in foster care mainly because I can give positive feedback where I, a lot of the times I don't hear anything positive about foster care stories. So the first time we were in foster care... Like I said, I was three, and now I'm 27. I'm still in contact with my foster parents from when I was three, and that says a lot that you would even want to still want to stay in contact with a foster parent this many years because they had such a big impact. Even after we went home, they've always been in our lives, and also like a part of my my kids' lives too. Maybe not too much physically, but asking about them and checking in on us and everything. And the second experience I had was also very much positive. So I like to talk about these stories because I feel like too often you hear horror stories about kids in foster care. And it's, it's, like I said earlier, it's very heart-wrenching. And coming from a home where neglect was maybe not the worst, like we weren't getting... Physically abused daily. We weren't starving, but my mother also wasn't around. So I raised my siblings for the most part, the younger ones. So it really wasn't the life for a a preteen, a teenager, a child to have to live to not have much of a childhood because you had to make sure the kids got fed, the kids got bathed, the kids went to daycare, the kids got picked up. So it was a lot of responsibility. And my mom was gone for. a a good chunk of time maybe like four or five days at a time so it was a lot of responsibility for a kid at the time and I understand now why we were taken away I did resent it a little bit early on because obviously no one wants to get taken away from what they know even if the situation is not ideal if the situation is bad you always want to be with your parent you always want to be at at the end of the day it's your norm right
0: so anything outside of that is you're taken out of your comfort zone right regardless if she wasn't home for four or five days it, that to you that was consistency mm-hmm. because you knew all right well, she gonna leave she ain't gonna come back i gotta handle this i gotta do mm-hmm. this i gotta take this one to dig i gotta handle this i gotta handle that right. and now being taken out of that element and now you're put with people you don't know right which well, even when you yes, were by so. yourself you mm-hmm. knew you were gonna handle shit you knew you were gonna right. get shit done even as a child at nine or however young now you're placed somewhere else and you have to depend mm-hmm. on other people that you don't know not only to care for you but to care for your sisters
1: right you have to take like you said like your place with people you don't know you've never met if you're not in foster care and you're placed with a family with your family because a lot of like foster families are like grandparents or aunts or uncles but if you're placed with complete strangers there's that sense of of um like loneliness Mm. like you can be in a house full of people but You don't know these people really. They can be the nicest people, which in my experience, like everyone was, but at the end of the day, you have to spend a night in a home where you don't know anybody. So it's uneasy, it's an uneasy feeling. And I remember like it kind of being hard to sleep because I'm like, I don't know these people. Right. And I was old enough to be aware, not that I was like a baby at this point. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, well, I'm at a house, I can go to sleep. I was like, okay, I don't know any of these people now we have to live here
0: right because you were like we
1: get dropped off Mm -hmm. we get dropped Mm -hmm. off with bags and it was very hard for me at this point to break my habit of being the caretaker i remember Mm -hmm. mommy having to be like you don't have to take care of them
0: yeah i remember the first day you came and me you me and you had to share a room chalene hadn't came yet because she was with miss laura Mm -hmm. um and you were like clunked but Aaliyah was like two mm-hmm. and you were like clung to Aaliyah and you kept saying no I have to change her no I have to do this no I have to do that and mommy was like no you don't and she mm-hmm. was like you don't that's not your responsibility you're a kid you need to be a kid and you were like you just got like really like, watery eyed <laughs> you were like no like I can't leave her mm-hmm. and she kept saying like it's okay like I promise like it's mm-hmm. okay she's okay and she kept like telling you like you can come in the room you can check on her as much as you want and stuff like that and it was like Even that situation. Oh, yeah, because I think
1: at this point she was in the crib. Yeah, she was in the crib in mommy's room. room. Mm
0: -hmm. And um, I don't know. I just feel like everything happens for a reason. It was like, I didn't understand it so much when I was younger. But you guys came, what, a month? The month after my grandma had passed. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, I don't know, you guys just, your presence, your spirit just filled the void. Mm -hmm. That it was like, it was like needed in the house. Like, we had had several foster kids. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Before that. After that, you know that. We've mm. had, uh, I don't know how many. Um But it just, like, I don't know. I feel like it just gave my mom so much pride to, mm. like, have all three of y'all. And, like, she loved, I mean, she still does. Like, mm. she loves the shit out of y'all.
1: Don't try to tell her that we're not her kids.
0: Period. Don't, don't. try to tell her that Frida's not her
1: favorite. That's Kim Kardashian <laughs> okay. in the family.
0: Okay. Okay. Chris Jenner and Kim is mommy and Frida. Okay? Don't
1: tell her nothing about me. That's um. my mom. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And she will fight you, period.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Over her, she don't play. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I remember that was like a real struggle for you, was to give up the sense of like, being a parent, right. essentially. Like
1: Right. Even at 12, like, mm. those were my kids. Yeah. And I'm like, mm. Even when they said, when they were like, well, you're not my mom, I got so offended. And I'm right. Like, like, what do like you, you were mean like, I'm not your mom?
0: Excuse me? Okay, I who got changes the your diapers?
1: <laughs> <laughs> who changes your diapers? Okay, who feeds you? I'm right. your mom. Like, and it it gives me such a sense of, like, independence, in a sense, like, I know I've always been independent. Mm-hmm. So even when I became a mom young, it was like, oh, this is, it. while it's different, I'm like, I've always been, right. I've always been taking care of children. Mm-hmm. So it's really nothing new. Yeah, you were Beside the fact now, this baby is with me 24-7. <laughs> I can't, can't send it nowhere. So... It's It gives me, like I said, a sense of independence. It gives me a different outlook on life. I feel like I matured fast. Um, but I also feel like when I didn't have to take care of children anymore, I was like, okay, well, what are the kids doing? What are the teenagers mm-hmm. doing? So I got pregnant at 17. <laughs> you was like, oh, that's what the kids <laughs> is doing. This is what the kids are into. Oh, okay. Okay. I got a little bit of time for that. I can get down with that. <laughs> I can get jiggy with this. So, um, but even now in my adult life I feel like it's still like foster care still holds an impact in my life because I would also like to foster children to to give foster care a better name, to give kids more positive experiences because it's not something I would ever wanna do for money. It's not something I would ever wanna do for bragging rights, it's not something that I just wanna have a notch under my belt for. I would do it because I genuinely love, I genuinely care for children. And I want to change the narrative and and the aspect of foster care because there's not really, like I said, there's not a lot of stories where there's positivity. I actually was looking for positive positive foster care statistics and it doesn't come up a lot. Like you kind of really have to search for and dissect because... A lot of it is very negative, like as far as um, the types of abuse that go on in foster care, uh, the the things that go on after you get out of foster care, if you age out, mm-hmm. and there's just a lot of negativity. So changing that narrative is something that's very important to me.
0: And Like, I really, like, respect what Tiffany Haddish is doing with it. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like she's, like, a person that's really, like, putting, like, a Mm -hmm. positive outlook on foster care. Right. She's explaining her experiences and everything she went through. But she's also not ashamed of it. She's Mm -hmm. also very proud. And she's someone who's bringing a lot of attention. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, to foster care and foster care children. And look what you could become. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you can do anything you put your mind to. And her differences and how... and how, Mm -hmm. you know, she became so cultured being in this house Mm -hmm. and being here and being there. So everybody has a different experience. And unfortunately, more people have a bad experience than a good experience.
1: Right, yeah. As I would like to be able to tell, like, be able to tell my story to more people also. I am grateful that I didn't have to bounce around, that when we found a home, a lot of kids... They they end up in, in a two-year span, they end up in nine or ten foster homes mm-hmm. because either abuse is happening where they are or the foster parents don't want them anymore or they're acting out because of something that happened in the past. So, like, whatever the story is, they change homes so often, so they end up having to be in nine, ten homes, whereas we had consistency. Right. And we were and in the even,
0: same home. even when y'all had to go to other homes for respite, right that, like, Killed mommy yeah that killed her oh my Mm -hmm. god i remember when we went to puerto rico and um the way it worked in new york was that even though you were temporarily taken from your parent they still had major say so in Mm -hmm. any vacation any move it's not like that across all states um but in new york it was like that and um you guys unfortunately weren't able to come with us puerto Mm -hmm. rico for vacation um good job mom (laughs) but that crushed her like Mm -hmm. she i remember she was so upset like even i remember she was upset with your mom like for Mm -hmm. the longest time like she was like why would she do that why wouldn't she let them come but she was so nervous like when y'all had to go to another house Mm -hmm. and she was like i don't know if they're okay i don't know what's going on and i was like yeah it was like scary in a sense and we Mm -hmm. weren't even the ones that weren't there because you guys had been with us so long Mm -hmm. like there was like no reason that you wouldn't be with us so it was like
1: oh my god like and i don't even i it might have happened like two times mm-hmm. that we had to stay with someone else but yeah. i don't really remember
0: yeah like it the was most only a weekend. i
1: remember yeah the most mm-hmm. i remember is walking to a bus stop with one of the foster ladies like i don't mm-hmm. so i'm assuming nothing really bad happened to right. like i remember that so like a, i don't really remember they didn't have too much of a positive impact mm. on me for the little bit of time that we did have to stay but maybe not too much of a negative one either right. because we don't really remember um but, yeah, like, like I said, no shade to my mom i I love her with all my heart. She's turned around- like turned herself around, she's an amazing mom at this point. she's an amazing grandparent. she dedicates her life to her grandkids. You can't tell them nothing about right. her. <laughs> you can't tell her nothing about them. She loves them with all her heart, but everyone goes through their hardships and, and we're in contact
0: with. Frida's mom, too. We were just at her house. <laughs> like, right.
1: Like, it's not. It's no, beef. <laughs> it's no no beef. beef. No beef. No shape. She at us Thanksgiving dinner. Mm-hmm. But um, really, in my experience, as far as foster care, like, I have so much extended family. And that's how that's how I see it. I don't just have biological family. I have extended family. And you can't tell me this is not your real family. This is your foster family. I'm like, no. That's my mom. That's my dad. that's my mom in New York
0: and that's my mom here like I have so much yeah bonus
1: I have bonus moms I have I just have one dad Jose but (laughs) I have so much extended family so much extra family people like how many siblings do you have I'm like listen at this point I can't even count (laughs) these are all my siblings like it's it's so much love across and I know the experience had to be different from your point of view because like you said like having someone or not even just someone three kids at a time or whoever like came into the house just kind of come in and move in on your life
0: it had well, to be for different me,
1: it was like
0: so for me I feel like me and my mom in my younger years we already had like a rocky relationship mm-hmm. and then I'm the middle child so on top of that you know like the middle child syndrome you always feel like the world doesn't get you and then my Aquarius I don't got no feelings attitude Mm -hmm. just rubbed everybody in life the wrong way (laughs) um mommy hates that about me till this day like she's like you don't care about nothing you don't care about nothing I'm like I don't but um I just felt like in a sense like something was getting taken from me Mm -hmm. and just me you know what I mean like it wasn't just me like DJ had shared a room before with the boys that we had got Mm -hmm. Ashley had shared a room before but I feel like it was consistently me. Right. Like the first kids we got, we had got three girls, they shared a room with me. Mm-hmm. You know, another time we had got girls, they shared a room with me. And like my mom would explain to me, like, you have a bunk bed in this room. That's why. Mm-hmm. Like, cause I, at the time, um, remember we had the bunk bed with like the futon bottom mm-hmm. and then it pulled out like to the bed or whatever. And I think like the futon set was like a full or queen, whatever. Mm-hmm. But she was like, why would I put them in a room where it's only one bed when you have the space for it? But obviously, I was 12.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We're the same age, though. So. But it's
1: my room, mom.
0: Right. At 12, I'm like, oh, but, like, it's like, it's because she hates me. Like That's how I kept looking at it. It's like, she, like, she hates she's me. She's trying to punish me. Right. So, she's trying to punish me. So, I kind of felt the same way. Like, it was like how you felt like, oh, like, well, I don't know them. I felt the same way. Like, mm-hmm. you're bringing people into my room that I don't know. Right. I have to be comfortable. I have to share my space. I, I don't have know if to... this girl steals. Or is going to slaughter me in my sleep. Like, I don't fucking <laughs> know. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you argue with your siblings your whole life. You know them. Mm-hmm. Like, I know DJ's a little psycho. I know DJ's mm-hmm. liable to throw my shit off the balcony like he's done plenty of times. Like, you know what I mean? But when you don't know people mm-hmm. and then they're coming into your close quarters, it's like, it's uncomfortable, and then it's a learning experience, and it's like learning to. I feel like it's easy to like love and care for a kid, mm-hmm. like oh my, like, oh look, we got a little two year old, they're so cute, blah blah blah. You know what I mean? But then like learning to love and care for somebody your age mm-hmm. that like y'all didn't meet on the basis of friendship, right? Like oh, I met you in the hallway, we have this in common. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's my that's my girl, I love her. Like it's kind of like you're forced in a position mm-hmm. with this person to be a roommate and then i don't know i just feel like our personalities clash because i used to take everything the wrong way like Mm i'm a person coming from not liking to feel anything i don't Mm -hmm. like to feel anything i don't like to deal with any emotion i like to sweep it under the rug i like to joke about everything i like to just act like shit doesn't happen Mm -hmm. like oh it doesn't exist or whatever and You're an emotional person. Mm -hmm. So for me, I used to take everything that would happen as like, oh, you're doing this on purpose. You want pity. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember there would be so many times that we would have little disagreements and then mommy would come down the hallway and she'd be like, what's the problem? What's the problem? And then like, you know, I'm loud and boisterous. Mm -hmm. So I always look like an aggressor. And I'm like, but. Yeah. And you're like, because you don't want mommy to be disappointed in you now mm-hmm. you're like no that's not what happened and you would like start crying and i'm like oh she's doing this shit on purpose right. she's a manipulator she just turned my mom even more against me and i used to like <laughs> that's how i used to take everything instead of like i mean anyone that knows you for five seconds knows I know how family
1: guy makes me cry right <laughs> like
0: oh my god you cry at anything you're so emotional but like it's, it comes from you being such a loving I'm not person crying right
1: now though <laughs> you strong <laughs>
0: Yeah, it comes from you being like a loving, caring person. Like mm-hmm. you really do care. You really do not want to offend somebody, or you, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Like you like think before you do something. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like the opposite. I tell you this all the time. I'm like, girl, you're so strong because you just like you really will think about it. you will be like, no, this ain't worth it. i will be
1: like, rah, rah, rah. and then i will be like, maybe I shouldn't have. I'm, like, I'm gonna sit with this for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna react tomorrow. Maybe I when shouldn't I'm have, have been, been a
0: psycho days. about that, mm-hmm. but. That's where I was coming from the situation. I just felt like I was like in a sense being like punished. But then like obviously over time you guys were there for 3 mm-hmm. years and I feel like with me and you our relationship fluctuated. Like mm-hmm. when you first came, we were real close. Mhm. Then it like drifted. Circumstances. Then before you left, we was getting close again. Mm-hmm. And I remember like when I came home and y'all wasn't there, I cried. Like I was like what the hell? Like they just like left, just took them away from us. Yeah, like I was Because like, we
1: were kind of on the verge of getting adopted. Like, they yeah. were talking about adoption. Yeah. And then um, my mom turned everything around and she did get us back. But from being somewhere for two, three years mm-hmm. and you're talking about adoption. And then yeah. it's like, nope, they don't live with us anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like.
0: Oh. Yeah, I remember mommy was like. Because I think they had called her and told her you guys were going. But I was at school. I remember at this mm-hmm. time, me and you were going to two separate high schools. Mm-hmm. You were in Van and I was in Jack. Right. And when I had came home, you guys were already gone. Like, I didn't get to see y'all or nothing. And I was like oh shit, like, and I remember, like, when I had came home, like, she was, like, crying, and she was, like, so upset about it, and she was, like, I just don't understand how they can go from telling me I'm about to adopt them to now their mom Mm -hmm. got them back, and she was, like, you know, like, I'm happy for them, because that's obviously, they would want their mom to get their shit together, her shit Mm -hmm. together, and, like, that's where they would want to be, but she was, like, I can't help but feel selfish, Mm -hmm. like, in a sense, like, she was, like, those are my girls, like, she was, like, at the end of the day, those are my daughters. So... It's hard. It's, like, hard from both sides because, Mm -hmm. obviously, from your mom's perspective, it was hard getting her kids taken away from her. And then this person that comes in and learns to love you guys like their Mm -hmm. own, it's, like, now you're from her. Like, you know what I mean? It's, like,
1: it's no... But guess what? Now they get to share me. Period. Because now I'm 27, and I can choose where I want to be, and I just have enough love for everybody. You can't tell mommy that I'm not her daughter ever. Okay? We can call her right now. She's going to be asleep. But if you, you ask her, like, that's my daughter. You
0: can't tell your mom that you're not uh, right. mommy's daughter. She'd be like, uh uh-uh, uh, um, that's her get. She'd yeah. still say, um,
1: you have to come get Aaliyah. She has to live with you.
0: <laughs> yeah, even at and the baby like, shower from Malachi. She'd be like, um, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> like, um, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> that's that's work. She was like, you got them back, sis. Like, no, you can't <laughs> be calling me. <laughs> you can't be calling me when they be acting up. <laughs> Keep
1: your kids, sis.
0: But yeah, it's just more love to go around. But I feel like over time, I learned to get over it. And it just came with like being young and I really like understanding. I feel like I was like more just like territorial because I feel like me and Ashley were always like close in age, but we had separate lives like we had separate mm-hmm. friends like even separate like in interest. school like I wasn't yeah like I wasn't like oh like all behind her mm-hmm. like she had her friends she was like oh there goes my annoying little sister and I was like whatever her mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean I had my friends she always thought my friends were too ratchet to be around so it's not like we all hung out as a crew but I feel like with me and you we were together so much
1: mm-hmm.
0: that like I was just like okay like we're either gonna like really hit it off or we're gonna hate each other mm-hmm. and then it went away. it kind
1: of like fluctuated yeah. like like but around. through it all, it's like even when we hated each other, we still we love had each other. A united front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like first of all, right? Like I was about like, to fuck with my cousin. Yeah, like it
0: was like I could not like her today. I hate her,
1: but you were not right. Fuck with my but cousin. you
0: ain't about to not like her.
1: Period.
0: So, what you want to do? <laughs> like, it's not a problem.
1: Period.
0: Like, But yeah, it came with like it's not like you ever did anything to me. It was just being young and I don't know. I just yeah. feel like I had my own personal issues with my relationship mm-hmm. with my mom that I just feel like I took everything like oh she fucking hates me
1: we were young dumb and out of control Like it's like when Salisa and Alicia argue and we're like
0: we <laughs> got these four
1: kids on purpose <laughs> <laughs> she didn't want to save no lives what do I say all the time <laughs> everything ain't about you sis <laughs> for real it's like when the kids argue and we're like did you really just come tell us you were arguing about that that is so no. dumb looking back it's like that was dumb. That was so dumb.
0: No, like,
1: And then you used to always be like, I don't
0: have a problem with you. And I'd be like, mm, yeah, I'm sure you don't. Yeah. Mm. Looking problematic
1: right. in the face.
0: Looking all innocent. No. You <laughs> have to have
1: a problem. There's no way you don't have a problem. Black twist.
0: You're a psycho. Like,
1: what? <laughs> like, I didn't even do nothing. And I'm like, sir, I have done nothing to you. You, you were like, okay. this bitch is just delusional. Period. Which I was. But now look at us. Inseparable inseparable and all because the system ripped me away from my mom <laughs> just plucked me out like an eyebrow hair <laughs> and now look my baby's got a popping auntie mm, ew. that's my sis Finest the out there okay
0: okay number one aunt in the game
1: so really that's the story <laughs> that's the story of how we became sisters Okay, but sister, sister. at the end of the day, that's my sister with an A. Mm. So, and we're going to be sisters for life. Like, there's no, there's really, we're 14 invaded, years so. in, right? There's, there's no going back now. Mm-mm. There's no ending it. There's no like, oh, you went back to your mom. You're not my sister anymore. Like, we're vested.
0: We're basically, we basically took a blood oath when we got our tattoos.
1: Exactly. So. Like, we can do a blood oath right now. No, we don't want to bleed on the table. Okay, never mind. I'm too why I'm in this far,
0: <laughs> And now it's time for our get it segment. So for our first episode, it's only right that we shout out our good friend Alicia Parker. She is an experienced braid specialist for over twelve years. She is my hairstylist as well as Frida's hairstylist and both of our kids. Um, you can find fo- you can follow her on Instagram and Facebook at Bomb Braids underscore by Alicia. And also subscribe to her YouTube channel at bomb braids by Alicia. No underscore for that one. And if you want to get your hair slayed, you can find her at the Boutique Room on Main Street in Norristown. The Boutique Room by Lisa, that is. She's accepting clients aged four years
1: and up. Wrap it up, sis. All right. It's time to wrap it up, guys. It's come to the closing of our first episode. So thank you for listening and bearing with us. Don't forget to follow and subscribe. Click the fifth star and leave a review. Follow us on IG and Facebook at the Sister Sister Podcast. The first Sister is with an A. Follow us on Twitter at Sister Sister Pod. If you have any questions, don't be shy. Shoot us an email at the Sister Sister Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.